Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. North Carolina Agriculture Commissioner Steve Troxler is our guest. He's been in that role since 2005, been on this program a a number of times. And uh, so far today, we've talked about uh, the the state fair and the cancellation of the state fair. We've also talked about the other problems of distribution that are brought about, about uh, the change in where people are getting their food and food products. But uh, agriculture goes beyond that. And of course, the ongoing problems are always there. And uh, I know one of the notes that uh, I want to get to that Jason gave me, all he wrote down was foreign seed scams. So I'm going to ask you, what what was Jason trying to tell me? Well, you know, uh, this is my first experience with something like that. They tell me that uh, this is a brushing scheme. Uh, This is where a company... uh, gets information somewhere, whether it's hacked or whether it's been bought on uh, people that are are buying things online. And uh, so what they've done is they have shipped packets of seed uh, into the country, uh, North Carolina being one of the states that has received a lot of these packages of seed. Uh, But we have no idea what the seed are, but we are very careful to make sure that it's not an invasive species or has some disease that would affect uh, the agricultural crops that we grow. So we're in the process of working with USDA and Homeland Security. uh, And what we want people to do is please, please, please do not plant these seeds. Uh, Hold on to them uh, and any packing material that goes with them. And we are out actually collecting these seed packets from all across North Carolina. We have uh, our uh, plant industry people and regional agronomists out collecting them right now. And we have uh, are probably going to have to add our forestry rangers in every county across the state. But we intend to collect every one of these seed packets. Uh, before they can even go to a landfill. If you put them in a landfill, there's still the possibility that these seeds could germinate. So we want to get these seeds in, uh, do the evaluation on what they are, and then properly dispose of them, probably by incineration. Well, now I'm going to change the subject because of this past week. I mean, you know, we've got enough to worry about with COVID-19 and all the effects of that. And then on top of that, we start the hurricane season early on. And one of, the, one of the comments I've got about the hurricane season is next time they name a hurricane, I surely hope they will come up with a name that we can all pronounce the same. <laughs> yeah, I told my staff, I said, I can't pronounce it, so let's just call it Izzy. <laughs> that, that I can would, pronounce Izzy. I think a nickname would have been fine for this one. But I, I must <laughs> have heard a uh, hundred different uh, pronunciations of it and uh, – uh, at least those people were consistent within their own uh, uh, own delivery of it. But uh, the weather, of course, uh, is a major concern for farmers, and the hurricane certainly affected a number of uh, counties in eastern North Carolina. Just how severe uh, is this uh, problem for us? Well, you know, I've learned one thing about hurricanes and tropical storms. You don't say how much damage there is right off the bat. It takes time to, uh, to see how much damage there is. In a lot of cases, you won't know until we harvest it, but the preliminary reports are uh, the wind was much greater than, wind speed was much greater than anybody expected. 
Uh, we do have uh, especially tobacco and corn that have been twisted, blown down, uh, and we have reported damage of some hemp uh, that was out there. Uh, but it remains to be seen uh, how much salt spray damage will come off of this uh, tropical storm slash hurricane. Uh, when they come ashore, they bring with them a lot of salt spray. And salt spray is like boiling water to a lot of our plants and agriculture. So we've got to wait to see how much damage there is. Uh, the good news is we did have some dry areas in the state that got two, three, four inches of rain that would be welcome on a lot of the crops. And the reports from the livestock industry are that uh, all of our livestock industry came through this extremely well. Uh, no reports of breaches of lagoons. Uh, we did have uh, power outages at some of the uh, animal operations. They're on generators. Uh, I think we had a couple hog houses that the roof was lifted off by uh, tornadoes and one, I think, one poultry house that the generator failed and, and we did have some mortality there. But, you know, overall, I've kind of characterized this, comparing it to Michael, Matthew and Florence, uh, we kind of got a grazing shot to the arm compared to the rest of them. Well, rainfall has been rather inconsistent in North Carolina even prior to this uh, because many of our counties have had uh, more rain than usual and other areas of the state have been dry. Uh, is this unusual? Well, being a farmer all my life, I tell people the, the weather is a constant for a farmer. It's always too wet, it's always too dry, it's always too hot, and it's always too cold. So I would say, yes, yeah, about normal. Nothing that, nothing that a farmer would ask for, but we deal with the weather no matter what. Of course, flooding and wind damage is one thing, but I think you told me one time, uh, we have a, uh, unfortunately, we, uh, the commissioner and I have a restaurant that we, uh, uh, ate at frequently, and I'd see them there often. And, and by the way, they've been a casualty of the COVID-19 crisis and will close, and so I won't see them for lunch there anymore. But one time uh, I was talking to them about the rain, and uh, you made a comment that uh, you can actually handle uh, a little drought better than you can handle too much water, too much rain. That's uh, the old adage uh, that I've heard all my life is a uh, a dry weather crop will scare you to death, but a wet weather crop will kill you. Uh, and that is true. If, it, if it's on the dry side, we can't irrigate and put water out there. But when you get flooding conditions, uh, it, you know, there's, it's awfully hard to get it off fast enough that it doesn't drown the roots and suffocate the plant. So uh, a little dry weather is always better than a flood. Well, I found that, I found that very interesting. Now, I want to ask you another question because I love watermelon. I love watermelon. Now, I've been told that watermelon is always sweeter in a drought season than it is in a wet season. Is that true? I would guess that it is true. I know in the case of cantaloupes, uh, I raise both watermelons and cantaloupes, but when you have a, a drier season, you can control the water on a watermelon and a cantaloupe. So the sugar is more concentrated when you have uh, dry weather and control the water and the, the sweetest cantaloupes will come when you have almost no rain uh, and you, you're drip irrigating and just, you know, just keeping it in a good growth state and not blowing up all at once. So I, I'm assuming that is true. 
Well, with the irrigation systems we have now, I guess it almost takes a, a full-time management of how you uh, distribute your water and drought, but it is easier to do that than to control the rain. It absolutely is. Uh, I had a good friend of mine in eastern North Carolina that, uh, you know, they're, they're in the Blacklands and it's flat, and he was in the mountains, and he said, you know, when we get a foot of water in eastern North Carolina, we got a foot of water, and we got to get it off real quick. But when a foot of water falls on the top of that mountain over there, by the time it gets to the bottom, it is real mad, and it's going to tear up everything in its wake. And, you know, that's pretty much true. Well, the weather, you know, I've known a lot of farmers in my life, and they all say the same thing. You're, you're the biggest gamblers in the world. And uh, uh, as a consumer of agricultural products, I certainly appreciate that. Do you see any long-range changes to, uh, we, we alluded to this a little earlier, because of the fact that we seem to be having more weather-related problems in eastern North Carolina with flooding, uh, over the last 10 years than we had maybe in the 20 years before that. Do you see any long-range changes to the way that the farmer will uh, uh, approach his business? Well, it, it's all about agricultural research. Uh, if the weather is our constant, and we've got to deal with it no matter what, if we are seeing changing weather patterns, uh, and there's going to be more uh, heavy rains and more droughts than We've got to have the technology to be able to handle it, and that includes uh, drainage uh, in eastern North Carolina. We, have, uh, we are trying to clean out uh, the streams and the rivers in eastern North Carolina where there's been years and years and years of uh, debris deposited in these rivers without very little upkeep. Uh, and the faster the water can run through the rivers and the quick creeks the quicker it gets off the farmland so that's that's one thing that we've got to approach is drainage uh the other thing i think that we've got to approach is how do we handle all the water in north carolina uh if you look at the piedmont in particular with all of the impervious surfaces that have been built in roads uh rooftops businesses uh then all of that water is going to end up in eastern north carolina so have we done an adequate job of uh, flood control uh, with all the building that's gone on? I'm one that thinks not. Uh, so how do we plan to, to handle this water when we do have times of tropical storms or even heavy thunderstorms? Uh, you can actually go to eastern North Carolina during some of these heavy rains and, and thunderstorms and uh, tropical storms, and you can see the red water uh, that's going down the rivers the red water didn't come from the sands of eastern North Carolina. It came from the Piedmont. So we've got to continue to work to handle water and to do research. Our guest is Commissioner Steve Troxler, and uh, we've talked about all sorts of things so far, and we'll sort of review that picture when we come back with one final segment of Carolina newspapers, and we will do that right after these messages. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. I came out in the 11th grade. Nobody was embracing you. The kids were cruel. It was very difficult to be gay. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. The hard part was determining that I was going to do it, but I definitely didn't do it alone. 
At age 30, with the help of her mentor, Carissa finished her high school diploma. I have a mentor, Maria. She convinced me to continue my education and to finish what I started to get my diploma. She just never judges. She's a true role model. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, go get it. You can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. And you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with Commissioner of Agriculture of the State of North Carolina, Steve Troxler. Uh, a reminder that this program is aired in two different versions on a number of stations. Number of stations carry a half hour version of the program and the others carry a full hour. If you happen to be listening to one of the stations that carries only the half hour version, there are two segments that you're missing, but you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and Jason Kong, our producer, segments those two, uh, sets them aside and you can pick up those two additional comments. And we've had some really interesting uh, discussion on a number of fronts. Again, uh, as we said, these are highly unusual times and especially in the area of, uh, of uh, agriculture and, and all the things that uh, the commissioner and his office have to handle. Uh, let's very quickly recap the situation with the North Carolina State Fair and the fairgrounds. Uh, the State Fair has been canceled for the year and uh, you mentioned earlier that this is, this is a hard decision, hard decision. Yeah, it absolutely was a, a, a really an awful decision to have to make. I lo absolutely love the State Fair. Uh, when we have the State Fair and I see all of these people with smiles on their faces, uh, I see the kids with their eyes bulged out looking at everything that we have at the fair, including the animals, the rides, uh, that makes me happy. Uh, and so it's a glad place at the fairgrounds during the fair, and this year it's going to be a sad place. So uh, people, I hope people will just hold on until 2021, and we're going to put on the biggest and best state fair ever. Well, that's something we can all look forward to. And, of course, you also mentioned, of course, the state fairgrounds uh, covers so many other projects, and I think already – some 180 events have been canceled and many more will be canceled. And of course, the uh, Mountain State Fair has also been canceled. It has, uh, and the Mountain State Fair means so much to uh, Western North Carolina, and I love the heritage of that fair and uh, the mountain crafters, uh, quilt makers, carvers, uh, music. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're going to miss that Mountain State Fair as much as people down here are going to miss the State Fair. We also talked a great deal about the changes uh, brought about by COVID-19 with many of the restaurants and institutional uh, providers of food uh, that people go out to eat uh, being closed or certainly limited in their capacity. Uh, this has caused a, a, a distribution problem for the farmers because now 
people are eating the same amount, so where do they get their food? And in this case, now they're getting more from grocery stores. Uh, you outlined the, uh, the problems of constantly reassessing how to, to supply food to the right sources at the right time, and this is going to be an ongoing problem. It is. One of the things that we realized uh, with the shortage of meat uh, in the grocery store uh, is that we do have a lot, a lot of farmers in North Carolina that are supplying local meats uh, to straight to customers. And the problem that we have right now is the lack of slaughter facilities for our farmers. So we went to the legislature and asked for uh, some COVID-19 money to expand slaughter capacity and some of our smaller plants in North Carolina so that we can open up the, the trade of more uh, local meats. Uh, we know that uh, people have sought out the local meats from the farmers and we want to increase that business. And uh, we've got 2,000 meat handlers registered with the department and with proper slaughter capacity, we're opening up a whole new world for these people. Now, we constantly hear more and more news coming out of Washington about COVID-19, vaccines, and, and the supply of uh, medical supplies and so forth, but business goes on as usual. What about the farm bill that uh, Congress must be uh, uh, addressing at some point in time? Where does that stand now? Well, we just got a, uh, a farm bill passed, and it's implementation of that farm bill now that is going on, but... The U.S. Department of Agriculture is, it right now is have to be, they have to be so tied up with emergency monies. Uh, uh, they've had to be rounds of payments to farmers because of trade. Uh, now we've got some COVID-19 money that they, they're putting out. And all of this money is very much appreciated. And farmers want to make a living out of the field, not the mailbox. But without that mailbox, with all that's going on right now, we would lose many of the farm families that we have in this nation, and we can't afford to lose them. We are the people that feed everybody in this country. So we've got to shake this down to the point that farmers are making a profit again, uh, that farmers can stay on the farms and protect the natural resources that, that we're going to need uh, to feed ourselves. Suppose that what happened with the supply shortages in the grocery stores is an everyday thing because we simply can't produce it on the farm. That's something we never want to see, so we've got to work to that end. And, uh, of course, uh, situations like this always uh, bring about a change in labor. What about the supply of labor for the farmer? Well, the supply of labor is always a, a problem uh, at the farm level. I, I think we've been able to get adequate H-2A workers uh, in this year, but then you throw in COVID. Uh, COVID has affected agricultural workers in North Carolina. So we've been working with uh, the Agri-Medicine Agri Institute uh, at East Carolina and public health uh, and encouraging farmers to get on top of this and, and work with public health to minimize the risk to uh, agricultural workers. I mentioned that uh, public health is now distributing uh, a million pieces of PPEs and sanitizer through the North Carolina Extension Service. This is a really, really good thing for our farm laborers. The, the people that work on our farms and our processing plants, they're the lifeblood that we have to have to make ag successful. So anything that we can do to further the, the health of these workers, then we need to do it. 
And of course, we spent a good bit of time talking about the recent uh, uh, disaster in uh, some parts of the state uh, brought about by the recent hurricane. Uh, and that also uh, gets back to uh, a statement you made earlier. I love that, uh, just enough food, just in time. This also plays into uh, concerns about how we do that. It absolutely does. Uh, think about transportation disruptions. I remember during Florence, uh, 95 was closed, 40 was closed, many of the, the highways were closed, and Wilmington uh, was sitting out there almost like an island with no way to get food to it. They talked about even bringing food, emergency food in by ships, but uh, I've got to say that my food distribution drivers who deliver USDA food went beyond the call of duty, and we got emergency food into Wilmington, and the Baptist-owned mission had their feeding uh, system set up there, so we were able to feed. But transportation is a major part of what this food distribution network is, and any disruption in transportation can cause the same problems that we've seen with COVID. And uh, in about 30 seconds, uh, you, you also mentioned that you, know, you, you won't know for a little bit of time exactly how disastrous uh, an effect the, the uh, hurricane will have on the economy as far as the uh, agriculture community. But uh, any change uh, on that? Well, I just uh, ask people to remember what it's like when the food supply is limited uh, thank a farmer every day for the hard work that they put in in all kinds of weather to feed the people. Thank all of the people that work in agribusiness that make the food on the shelf possible. And uh, if we do that, then everything's going to be okay. Great. Thank you, uh, Commissioner. You've done a good job of leaving me just enough time to remind everybody, if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or hear the segments that you might have missed, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that. Our program has been produced by Jason Cog, and he'll have another interesting guest for us again next week on this same group of stations all across North Carolina. And so until next week, same time, same station. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.